Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Sophisticated Property Investment Podcast. You are here with Frank Flegg, your host, and Amanda Jarvis-Doyle. Amanda, welcome. Hi, Frank. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. For those of you that don't know, Amanda is co director of England and Wales. She looks after all of the franchisees in those two countries. And today we are here to talk about, well, why don't you tell us, Amanda, what are we talking about today? We are going to have a conversation today, Frank, about using other people's money for deals. I think it's massive. I think it's been one of the techniques, one of the strategies that has helped me grow my portfolio so quickly and so easily. I have to admit, filling in mortgage applications and having the endless questions from lenders on sometimes ridiculously small amounts, like 80 grand loans and stuff. And yet investors will sometimes part with double that amount on a one-page scribbled agreement. It's uh, it's remarkable. So let's, let's kick off on that, Amanda, because I know this is a, a subject that's dear to your heart, one that you've been incredibly successful with. What are your thoughts on other people's money? We, we hear gurus talk about it trainers talk about it as if you know it's falling out of the sky um certainly not been my experience although some of our partners seem to seem to have it fall in their laps quite regularly so what 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 are your thoughts Amanda? Um so I think my mindset has changed over the years um certainly since um joining EPP and initially I was completely and utterly of the belief that I was I was going to find this impossible that it just how would I ever persuade people to lend me money for deals that I was doing but I say this often you know people don't walk around with a post-it note stuck to their forehead do they saying I've got money in the bank I want to make work better for me (laughs) make it easier they did but yeah and so it's all about conversations isn't it starting conversations and and finding out like what people's appetite is for investing. Now, some people have got loads of appetite for investing in traditional methods. Um, So whether that's using an IFA or going with stocks and shares, but other people have got an appetite for not tying their money up for that length of time and looking at their cash in a different way. And I think that was what my misconception was, that if people had got money that they would be going with an, you know, a fin- an, an independent financial advisor or a financial advisor and trusting them to make those decisions for them and handing in, you know, their money over to them to make more for them, but in a, in a safe and confined way. As I've gone through my property journey, I've realised that actually there are loads more people out there than you realise through having conversations with them that actually do have an appetite to to make good returns on their money. So to put this in perspective, Amanda, how many deals have you done using other people's money and how much money have you used, I guess, (laughs) that belongs to you? I know that's put you on the spot. Well, it while... really has put me on the spot. Thanks for that, Frank. <laughs> no, um... no for warning. Let, while you work it out, um, let me give a, an example. So one of our partners, um, Maddie from, from Northampton, she and I are doing a deal at the moment. It's a purchase of 27 properties down in the, the south of England. So quite a high purchase price from a portfolio landlord. 
So all from one landlord. So 27 units. Um, so it's like uh, buildings that are subdivided into uh, apartments. And we need to raise quite a lot of money for it. And she has committed to raising £900,000 herself. And I've committed to, to raising uh, the balance of what we need. And I think we're two weeks into the deal, something like that. And she's already got written agreements for 450k and I think that's incredible now on Friday today is Wednesday on Friday this week we've got a meeting with her final investor she's like convinced this is the final investor we need to speak to I haven't spoken to any of the others she's bought the money in all on her own Uh, and she said actually for this one I think the three of us could have should have a chat I said yep no problem at all so we're on a zoom call on Friday afternoon and this particular investor's uh, wanting and here's the key thing they are wanting to invest five hundred thousand pounds so that will get her will get maddie to 950k in about three weeks three and a half weeks and most That's people just say incredible that. isn't it absolutely and and maddie is five years into a property investing career had never invested in property before other than buying her own property um certainly didn't had never borrowed money from individuals before um she ran a a church of about 30, 40, 50 people um, in Northampton and was a part-time and was a um, secondary school, like head of year kind of person, I think. Um, And so, so far out of entrepreneurism, (laughs) business, money lending, money borrowing, (laughs) property dealing, it was untrue. And, And for her to go from that point and five years later, be saying I can raise the best part of a million pounds in a month is, I think, remarkable. So there, are, there's a little anecdote for uh, for our listeners whilst uh, you've worked out your sums, Amanda. What, what What's the scale of it? Because I think it's important to understand how powerful a strategy this is. Yeah. Um, so I've only actually started using this probably. I, I used it once probably about three years ago. Um, and... I've only really used it a lot, probably in the last two years. Um, so I've raised 400,000 um, from private investors, and that has financed one, two, three, four, five deals. Mm. You've been investing with EPP for about five, five and a bit years now, five and a half yeah. years. Um, why have you only started pretty much in the last half and really got going with it in the last two years? What changed? Mindset changed. (laughs) (laughs) As I explained earlier, it was about my mindset of that belief that people would want to lend money as finance rather than buying a property. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd convinced myself that the only way that they were going to invest was in order to, to secure a property. And I guess that belief or that assumption rather came from the belief that if you have money, you want to buy property. Therefore, if anyone else has money, they will also want to buy property. It's, it's, it's so interesting, isn't it? We look at other people through our glasses, don't we? And, mm. and project onto them what we feel, think, believe. But it's not the case, not the case at all. Um, and of course, that 400K doesn't sound like very much at all. And in some parts of the country would, would barely get you a property. But the thing is, if you can have a pot of money 
and I haven't got a massive pot of money. It's, it's more than four hundred k, but it's it's not it's not ten times more. Yeah, it's less than four million. Absolutely is. Mm. Um, but you don't need a massive pot because you can use it so efficiently. You can buy a property, do the works to it, own it cash, buy it BMV, and then refinance and get your money back out and go again or you can yeah. buy a property sell it and now you've gone from 400k to 500k and you got 100k profit and then you can use the 500 in a deal so actually it's very it's almost the most valuable money you can have and money does have different values doesn't it people i think sometimes don't realize that borrowing 400 grand from four investors at five percent per annum is nowhere near the same as borrowing 400 grand from high street lenders at 5%. And you'd say, well, of course it's the same, Frank, it's both at 5%. But no, you have to jump through so many hoops with the high street lenders. They will only lend at 75% loan to value the other people's money, the high net worths. And, and we say high net worths. <laughs> Some, I borrow money from people who are far lower net worths than I have. <laughs> it's just that they have money and they don't know what to do with it. And so people, I think that's a bit of a misconception that they have to be wealthy. My youngest investor is, I want to say 22 he drives a lorry and had about £25,000 to his name two years ago and wanted to get the highest interest rate he, could, he possibly could. He invested it with me for two years at 20k because his mum and dad had invested with me previously. They said, look, he, he hasn't got much, but he'd like to get a, the, the kind of returns you're offering. I think I've offered him, I think I paid him 5%. Um He's got 5% interest on his 20 grand for the last two years. He's now ready to buy his own house. He served me notice. He was paid back two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And mm -hmm. his money has worked really hard for him. Now, he's not got more money than me. He's not got more net worth. He's not got more cash in the bank because um, he's 22. And he, he drives a lorry and he's just been saving carefully for the four years or so he's been working. But the po that isn't the point. The point is he's got money that he wants to work harder for him and I can help him work harder with that money. And I, that 20 grand over two years has helped me buy properties. It's helped me refer properties. It's helped me flip properties. I've probably turned that 20 grand into 80 grand over those two years. I'd say 60 at least, probably 80. And so that's, and I've paid him 5% per annum. It's a grand a year in interest. That's, that's peanuts for the work mm -hmm. that I've made it do. So I think it is interesting. Um, Amanda, I know you um, have prepped some questions, so let, let's go with your questions. I love it. I mean, the first one that I thought of, Frank, was like, when does this situation typically arise? And is there a particular type of deal or property that this suits best? Good question. It's as if you've done this before. <laughs> um, as you were asking that question, my first instinct was the presumption in the question is incorrect. And, and that, that being you find a deal that needs money and then you go find the investor with the money. And that's because I don't like doing it that way round. So you talked about people walking around with a metaphorical post-it note on their head saying I've got money I want to lend it or I've got money in the bank and it's earning me a pittance and so the way that I prefer to do it is I prefer to borrow money from people before I know what I'm going to use it for and then go find a brilliant deal to invest it in 
because if I'm borrowing money at 5% and that's what I aim to borrow all my money at, I don't always achieve it. Sometimes it's six, seven, sometimes it's a bit higher than six or seven, but usually only if there's a specific deal and I've got an in and I've got an out and, and I know it can stand a higher interest rate, but let's just stick at 5%. If I'm borrowing money at 5%, I have no concerns about that sitting in my bank for a month, two months, three months doesn't burn a hole in my pocket because the interest on that is so low compared to what it's going to do for me when it starts working now I wouldn't borrow money for six months without a purpose because if it sits in my bank for two or three months I can't make it work very hard over three months property's not liquid enough I could if I planned to but I wouldn't want to do it speculatively so I I look for a minimum of about three years Often it's a five-year loan. If someone really doesn't want to do three years, I might do two years. Very rarely will I do one year unless I've got a deal lined up. For the same reason, it might take me six months to find a really good deal. I don't want to then be refinancing out after a further five months. So I would much prefer to take money off people and then go find the deal because I'm basically a cash buyer. I can use 100% of that money. I don't have to worry about putting in my own deposit. I, I Sometimes I'll use a chunk of the money for the purchase, a chunk of the money for the purchase costs, and a chunk of the money for the refurb. So it's literally no money down. And, and some people think that's like 120% loan to value. Well, it wouldn't be 120% of value. It'd be 120% of purchase price. But if the deal then is such a good deal, that could easily be at 75% loan to value or... 65% loan to value by the time I've finished the works because we've added so much value. So that's the way I prefer to do it. It does beg the question, how do you borrow money from an investor before you've got a deal lined up? And I happily go into that because there is a skill to that. Your question makes the presumption that you've already got a deal. And certainly that's the more common way that people borrow money from investors because you can then show them the deal. They're investing in the deal. Most people that lend me money invest in me. They might say, what are you going to do with it? And I say, I might buy a property. I might refurb a property. I might uh, flip a property. I might buy a property, hold it, put tenants in it, refinance it, go use your money for another property. Um, sometimes they'll ask for a personal guarantee. Sometimes they won't. Um, but if I've got a, and in that instance, I wouldn't offer them a restriction. I wouldn't offer them a charge on a property. It's unsecured lending. And I've, I've done 150 grand from investors uh, unsecured quite often um, mm. and anything down to 20 odd. So if you've got a specific deal, more often than not, they'll want security on that deal, which you may or may not be able to provide. Uh, more often than not, they'll want the fixed term. And you've basically got more rigidity in the in the loan which is fine I just don't like it as much and because you're in a hurry because the vendor's probably not going to sit around for three or six months while you sort out finance you're a bit like this deal at the moment you know we've done the deal for 27 properties and uh, 27 units rather and now we've got to go find the money pretty quickly and um, we're not on a crazy time frame but we can't you know just kick it around for a couple of months and then start thinking about it. We're, we're on a mission to raise the, the funds to buy it because it's a good deal. Those are the two ways of doing it. And I much prefer the first way over the second. What, what about you, Amanda? What, what do you think? I've only done it in the second way. So I've only done it when I've had a deal that I've needed funds for. I've not done it speculatively. Um, so every day's a school day, Frank. 
Uh, I will be adopting <laughs> adopting that moving forwards. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think recently I, I had a vendor who was like desperately needing to move abroad and we just didn't have time to put him in a mortgage application mm. um, in order to get him where he needed to be in time. And I think I made two phone call, three phone calls in the space of 20 minutes and managed to raise a hundred and just under a hundred, well, 103,000. Um, That's impressive, which, isn't it? It just blew me away. Mm. I kind of, I was on cloud nine for like the whole day um, because you just think like three phone calls in 20 minutes mm. and you've got over 100K available to you to use. And that property is in the process of being refinanced now. It's a day one refinance. And interestingly, at the, at the moment, my day one refinance is costing less than um, a standard buy-to-let mortgage, which just... The, the rate is, is less, which just seems bonkers. Yeah. But um, that's, that's as, as an aside. Mm. Um, so, yes, every day is a school day, and I will be looking at doing more of the having the cash available in order to invest when that deal comes along mm. rather than me. And, and having that confidence to be able to say, yeah, I can do this. I can do it in two weeks. Uh, rather than thinking, okay, am I going to have to say four weeks because I've got to raise the cash in the meantime? And of course, if you combine two weeks, you're going to get a better price. And if you combine four weeks or six weeks yeah. or eight weeks, you know, and you're not going to have the deals fall through that you might otherwise have because you've got the cash in your your account. It does make a yeah. big difference for sure. Um, I want to drill into that psychology for a moment. So your level of belief, and it's not a coincidence for the first two years you didn't do any other people's money deals you know you 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 were using conventional finance rather than private individual finance it's taken that two years for you to build your confidence for you to start doing more vanilla deals and then getting more and more sophisticated so that that's a natural progression I'm not saying it should take two years but it, it took you two years um and it's interesting and then you progressed on to the more traditional which is I've got a deal who wants to invest in it and now you're going to go to the next stage which is I'm awesome at property investing. Do you want to lend me some money and earn a great return? Which I think, you know, a, a level on again. But that that psychological leap, and we see it, we, you and I think you and I have talked about it at length, uh, perhaps even on the podcast about people believing they can buy BMV. And that belief is the first stage. And then from that flows the actions um, that then lead to the, the results, i.e. a bit below market value purchase. But I, I, um, I'm doing some consultancy at the moment and I'm helping a friend of mine to franchise their business completely outside of the, the property arena. And I was chatting to him about when he's going to launch his franchise. And he's never franchised before. He's only run his business in one location and has been doing so for about 20 years. I said, right, so how quickly do you want to get going? And he said, I think it'll take me six months. We worked out that he was going to start with five franchisees and then he's going to add more franchisees every uh, every six months or so. And um, I said, okay, so when are you going to start with your five franchisees? And he said, I think it's going to take me about six months to find five franchisees. And I said, just stop there for a minute, mate. And he said, yeah, what? I said, how many people know what you do? 
how many people do you he, he runs like a coaching business alongside his main business so he teaches people to do what he does already he just hasn't franchised it so how many people have you got in that like coaching community and uh, he said oh a couple of thousand so I said so hang on a second you've got emails and phone numbers for a couple of thousand people who all of whom potentially would be interested in being your franchisees and he said yeah I said, <laughs> and you just made me, you reminded me of it, Amanda, because you said you took 20 minutes on the phone to speak to three people. I said to him, if you phone 15 people, if you handpick 15 people out of that list, I think you'd have your five. And we're talking about a franchise. So we're talking about a five-year commitment, you know, um, multi-five-figure investment from people. So it's not not peanuts. I said, I reckon you'd have your five out of the first 15 phone calls and uh it was on zoom and i could see his face like uh, drop a bit and so i said so really the question is how quickly do you want to make those 15 phone calls mm-hmm. his response was i'll have all five signed up and paid by christmas and this was on monday so he's given himself what is that a four-week window to yeah. raise probably more money than he's ever taken across both his businesses in any four-week period ever because you take quite a a large payment up front for for a franchise. It was that moment of belief. It's so easy to fall into the comfort zone of, well, that's not possible. And people listening to this might go, yeah, but, you know, it took Amanda two years or it took Maddie five years or whatever. But no, it's not about how long it takes you. My friend got there in about a 60 second conversation and and then and I could see it It was from this is going to take me six months so he believed he could do it but he believed he needed you know to meet with lots of people and run day seminars and webinars and stuff to actually I can pick up the phone and talk to some people and they'll put money in my account within a few days and I and I think it's that that belief so you, having raised 400 grand, will now be talking to people and saying, yeah, I can take 100 grand off you, yeah. Well, what I do is I put it into multiple deals so I can secure it with a personal guarantee, but I control the deals that it goes into. And you just, regardless of if it's sat in my account, if it's in a property, if it's in a refurb, regardless of what I'm doing with the money at, that, at any particular time, for a period of three to five years, you're guaranteed a fixed return. So you get your money every single month or every single quarter. And if you can hold that belief if you have that belief inside you that you are actually good enough to do this you are capable you are successful I think it comes out in your tone it comes out in the words you use it comes out in your body language and people buy into that and so yeah I just wanted to pick up on the psychology really Amanda. It's amazing how how your, your mindset does change I think back to when we first met I think that was probably just over eight years ago, Frank, which is seems like the blink of an eye. <laughs> um, you haven't aged a day, Amanda. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, of course. Um, just over, pod, over podcast, I can't see a difference. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if, if I think about where, you know, the, 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 the Amanda eight years ago to the Amanda today, the amount of mindset changes have been phenomenal. And a lot of that has been around belief about money. We aren't raised in this culture, this in this country that we live in. We're not raised to talk about money. We're not raised to discuss it, to even encourage people to make their money work better than it does for them already. We're missing a massive trick there as families, as communities, and, and 
that's what's been the biggest shift in my mindset. We, we touched on it briefly, but, but why would an investor opt for this over buying a property or investing in what, what seemingly would be safer ways, either using an IFA or stocks or shares? For me, buying property is the safest investment. Then I'd say investing in businesses and lending to individuals. And then I would say stocks and shares. Now, the reason for that, and I could find you a million people that would disagree with me. Uh, I might find a million people, property investors mainly, who would agree with me. I know Robert Kiyosaki would probably agree with me. He might even flip the first two and say that business is safer than property. But the reason that's true for me is because of my experience, my knowledge, my skills. So I would go find the property. I would refurb it if it needed it, and I would tenant it. That is as safe as houses, <laughs> forgive, the, forgive, the, forgive the pun. However, if I abdicated responsibility for sourcing the property and asked some property sourcer for two grand or 10 grand or 20 grand to go find me a property, now all of a sudden it could be an absolute lemon. And then if I abdicated management to their in-house letting agency, for example, and or, or some other letting agency, um, now all of a sudden I could have 17, 18 year olds making decisions about my 200 grand asset. Uh, and costing me money hand over fist and so can is property always a great investment no not at all it can be absolutely dire as with anything investing in businesses and individuals that is incredibly risky now i'm not saying i would invest in anyone i would probably invest in a fraction of the people that would even ask me for money and i, I get invited to joint venture and invited to invest in loads of people's businesses but I'm very, very cautious about whom I do joint venture with and whom I do invest in. But when I do, I have the skills, the knowledge, the experience to not always successfully, they still sometimes go wrong, but to massively reduce the chances of the the, the investment going wrong. And overall, and I guess this is a bit like Dragon's Den, loads of their investments go completely upside down um if you look at peter jones i think it's peter jones with the the flashy socks that's the power of branding and that um mm -hmm. he invested in hundreds of of businesses in the time that he was a dragon i think he still might be a dragon and yet most of them the vast majority are failures but levi roots who really didn't have a business yeah he had a concept of um i think it was jamaican sauce wasn't it reggae reggae sauce yeah. um really peter jones invested 50 60 100 grand whatever it was probably less than 100 into this charismatic guy who didn't know his numbers had no idea on his numbers like stuffed up the presentation massively but had something about his personality had a had a um an attractive personality and a, a work ethic that peter thought would be successful and lo and behold it's one of peter jones if not well it, it is uh, for sure the most lucrative partnership that has ever come out of dragon's den um and i think dwarfs all the other partnerships that any of the other dragons have ever done and yet peter jones has lost money on more deals than he's made money on but he's made so much on that one that it's, it dwarfs all the others so i think 
my experience, my ability to interview, my ability to interrogate businesses and people, that sounds wrong, but, you know, fight, really get to the grit, nitty gritty of them and understand what makes them tick and my ability to hold them accountable during the partnership or during the term of the investment means that that's a, a close second to property. Um, mm. The reason stocks and shares are a distant, distant third I have never put any money in stocks and shares, by the way. Never. I nearly did at the start of coronavirus. Um, Interesting. Uh, Which know, one? Zoom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was, um, no, I, I never would have gone for um, individual stocks because I've read too much about stock market trading. So um, I, uh, I subscribed to Benjamin Graham's um uh, perspective in the intelligent investor where he basically takes about a thousand words i know you've read this recently he basically mm. takes a thousand words to say don't invest in individual stocks just invest in the index of all the stocks and then you're you're safe because the average of all the stocks is actually generally better than the individuals try, who are professionals at trying to beat the average and um and most people that try and beat the average end up below average and so i looked at the FTSE 100 like middle April, mid um, mid to late April, I forget when it was, and it was just falling through the floor. And I thought if I did pound cost averaging for the next like 30 days, I was probably going to hit the bottom. And I was buying it, I would have been buying at um, 20%, perhaps, uh, I can't remember the exact figures, 15, 20, 25% below what the prices were just a couple of months earlier. And I just thought that's tremendous value. Mm. But I didn't. I, I remember sat. I, I moved. How much did I move? Fifty grand, something like that, um, into a trading account. And I sat there. And I was literally. I can remember. I sat on my sofa of an evening, and I sat there. And I thought, shall I buy these? Uh, buy into this index fund? And I didn't. I think that that order of risk is just too real for me. And I thought, I don't know if the value two months ago was. <laughs> accurate or not maybe that was double what those shares were worth and they're going to drop you know by another 20 or 30 percent and I think that's what did it for me if if it was a house that had dropped 20 percent I'd buy it in a heartbeat um but you know and if, if we see a 20 percent drop in in house prices the average house prices across the UK I'm not predicting that but if we were to I would go on a buying spree I wouldn't be buying them off the high street I'd be trying to find the deals within the market but even so i would know you know there are deals you and i have done together there are deals you and i've done separately where we're popping champagne that evening when we complete because we just know it's a slam dunk of a deal in fact most of our deals are very very good because we wouldn't do them otherwise and so yeah I, I never actually invested in um in the index funnily enough so that's where i stand but for a lot of people it's completely the other way around so a lot of people have no interest in putting money into property they don't want the inconvenience or the perceived inconvenience they don't want to learn how to do it the the difficulty of property is unless you are willing to learn how to do it there's no one that will really do it for you um and so you're kind of stuck you either do the work and you learn how to do it or you don't do it or you abdicate to someone else and probably lose quite a lot of money. The number of people that have done that, that I know, and they've just got this lemon sat in their portfolio in Cyprus or in Greece or in Portugal or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, 
I bought that on a bit of a whim. You know, I went there on holiday or I went to this seminar and there was this guy and he was really nice. So I, I gave him 50K and now he's bought me this apartment that I earn, you know, £100 a month off or, or whatever it is. So for lots of people, they don't want to touch property. They probably already have some money in stocks and shares or their pension or an index or a bond or something like that. And it's not performed amazing. It's performed okay. Their funds are relatively safe. Um, but they kind of would like to do more with their money. I was speaking to someone recently. They've got £300,000 sat in an instant account. Which oh. is unbelievable because I'm quite good friends with this person, but they didn't. They hadn't told me previously they're 300k. <laughs> and I was like, my jaw just dropped. I was like, oh my goodness. Well, then you realize that's not protected, don't you? Like only the first 85k is protected. And they said, yeah, this smart person. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And I said, you realize those funds are shrinking in real terms because inflation's faster than the 0.1% interest or 0.01% interest you're getting in the bank uh, at the moment. Yeah, I get that. So why haven't you done anything about it? Oh, I don't know. I just don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and so you look at that and you think, well, that person, they put the maximum into their pension each year. They put the, uh, I don't think they actually do stockbroken because they recognize they don't. And, and doing the wrong thing is worse than doing nothing, right? Doing nothing, you keep your capital. Preservation of capital is is paramount, which is what Warren Buffett says. But doing nothing <laughs> doesn't get you very far. Just having that 300K work at 5%, a year for you compounding is massive that'd be amazing so i don't know how long that person's taken to accumulate that wealth but five percent a year on 300 grand that's 15 grand a year exactly and then next year it's not going to be 15 grand it's going to be 15 and a bit because of the five percent on the 15 that over well over 10 years it's gonna go up by 150 grand plus the extra so that's a, a 50% rise in, in 10 years. That's, that's, that's not to be sniffed at. So there are a lot of people. And if that person was friends with you, for example, Amanda, now they're friends yeah. with me, so um, they're probably going to invest in me rather than you. But, <laughs> but if they were friends with you and you made it clear that they you could help them and that you could give them a return of 5% and you could... Um, give them a personal guarantee or you could give them a charge on a property or whatever they, they were looking for um, or just take a hundred grand off them and and let them keep the 200 as a buffer or whatever it is all of a sudden you're doing them a service mm. and they're grateful for that they're earning their 15 grand a year or whatever and it doesn't matter if you're making 50 grand a year off that 300k or or 150 grand or 300 grand a year they're they're winning they're doing better. And so that's why people are attracted to investing in people like us. And it comes from, I think, the psychological perspective of fear of missing out. So FOMO, which is what this person is now, you know, it's become, I've made them, I've made them acutely aware. They were kind of broadly aware that they were missing out. And I've just put a really fine point on it. And they're like, ouch, 15 grand a year that's three really nice holidays every year or that's a, a car for my daughter this year or it's a whatever fill in the blank of whatever costs 15 mm. grand and so I think fear of missing out is a big one and I think the second psychological factor at play here is people want to be associated with successful people and if they 
view you as successful, then they want to be involved in you. And I think I think those two work. Yeah. So we've we've talked about actually having the finance available up front, but should you come across a deal and you haven't got the finance up front, my trick. <laughs> Why would you use this, um, so raising finance from a private investor or from an individual, over conventional lending or bridging finance? Speed and ease. So, you know, half an hour compared to uh, half an hour in two, and over two days or an hour over two days. And so you've got the money in two days and you've only spent an hour of your time and you've not got a million and one questions. You've not got to show your bank statements you've not got to go through credit checks you've not got to prove source of additional funds and all that jazz um they're not asking for hmrc statement from this year or the year before and if you've done a load of deals they're not saying well hang on these monies have come from these solicitors what was that for can you find the bank uh, the um, completion statement and then well can you show how you bought that property and hang on you took some money out of your company can we have a letter from your accountant proving that that dividend was affordable to the company all of which are not very uncommon they're really common all of those kind of questions and that can take two months easily in the current climate um and i i, I keep saying in the current climate i think mortgages that's the norm now on a mortgage, I think, a conventional mortgage. And bridging, I can still get bridging in in seven days. Um, but I have to speak to the underwriter. I have to speak to the CEO. And I have to say that you know me and I know you. You know that I'm straight up. You know that I'm good for this. Can we? Like I had one where the, the valuer, it was an SA unit actually, a service accommodation unit. And the valuer, we, we had it was fully occupied and changeover was on a Friday. So the people moved out at, uh, or, you know, departed at 10 a.m. And the new people came in at 3, a, uh, 3 p.m. So we only had a five-hour window. And I wanted to do the deal in seven days, the refinance. So I already owned it, but I was buying something else with the funds. And um, I said to um, I said to them, I want to do it in seven days. And they said, yeah, we've done that before with you, Frank. Uh, it'll be fine. We just need a valuation. And, um, of course, they had to find a valuer that would get to the unit within a five-hour window in a week <laughs> and they couldn't find one and they said can you find one and I said no I, I don't know any valuers in this neck of the woods and we had a conversation they said we need to push it back by a week we can get someone out next Friday or we can get someone out this Thursday and I said no if someone's coming to stay for a week I can't send a surveyor around to walk around the property with a clipboard you know when they're on holiday and so no it has to be on a Friday and no I don't want to wait a week it will jeopardize potentially jeopardize this other deal and so I said how are we going to do it? And they asked the valuer to do a desktop valuation followed by an in-person valuation post lending me the funds. So they basically lent me the funds in seven days on the say-so of a valuer who'd been on Google Maps. That was it. And yeah. it's a 200 grand loan, um, so not an insignificant amount of money. And, um, and then the valuer went out about four weeks later during the Friday changeover and that's that's possible with a bridging provider but it's still a lot of jumping through hoops I had to do zoom calls with them they had to um, have a solicitor witness you know our personal guarantee they wanted uh, uh, all the other thing I should have said it's ease 
its speed and its cost. So mm. I had to pay their legal fees. I had to pay the surveyor's fee. It probably cost me, plus they had a 1% setup fee. So that cost me on 200 grand. I bet it cost me so two grand on setup fee. Plus I bet it's three grand in um, in legals and surveyor. I bet it was a, a thousand pound for the surveyor. And so I'm five grand under before I've paid any interest. Um, yeah. that was a bridge for 15 months at 1% a month. So it's costing me two grand a month as well compared to if I had the 200 grand and that's probably the most, exp- it is the most expensive lending I'll, I'll, I'll ever do as in I'll never pay more than 1% a month, but over 15 months, that's actually going to cost me not 30 grand, but you've got the five to add on. So 35 grand over 15 months, that's so expensive for a mm-hmm. 200 grand loan. Compared to if I do it with a private individual, I get the money quicker. Um, they won't have a first charge on the property often. Sometimes they will. These bridging provider obviously took first charge. But I'm not paying 35 grand. If it was at 5% a month, uh, sorry, 5% a year rather, I would be paying, uh, let me work that out, 10 grand over the year plus another five months less than 15 grand about 14 grand compared to 35 and so yeah so bridging you can do really quickly but it's still not that easy they won't do 100 percent either these guys cap it at about 75 and mm. um and then you've got high street lending which is so much slower and so much more cumbersome and little things like have you got planning permission for what you've got currently and what you're about to do Sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. Sometimes I'll do it retrospectively. Sometimes I'll have certificates of lawful development, you know, in process being applied for, but not yet through. Um, Those are major issues to a conventional lender, as in it will stop the deal. To a bridging provider, you have to explain them. You have to persuade their lawyer or persuade their valuer that you know what you're doing and that they're definitely on their way. Um, private individual doesn't even ask (laughs) not an issue at all and so they just buy into the fact that you know what you're doing lots of advantages to having private money for sure this will have opened a lot of people's eyes to the possibilities of using other people's money for investing frank guys if you've got questions if you have um, got deals if you've got investors who you're you know have got money and you're thinking how how do you tap into that how do you come up with a win-win solution how do you get them from the perspective uh, from the stage of yeah i'm interested to here's some money then do get in touch with us guys you can drop us an email you can pop a a comment in the comments box and uh, we will help in any way we can if you have suggestions for further topics for us do uh, do let us know and we'll uh, do our best to incorporate them in future episodes amanda Thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure as always. And thank you for bringing your experience and uh, and knowledge. Loved it, Frank. Thanks for the invite. My pleasure. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you on our next podcast episode. Until then, happy investing. Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. 